0: Now along came Simeon, a righteous and just man, who was led by the Holy Spirit and believed in God's plan of never seeing death before seeing Jesus. Who could make such a promise? Only God can. Jesus was brought to the temple to be presented to the Lord according to Mosaic law. Simeon was there and it was Jesus he saw. Simeon said, Lord, you're letting me depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation, the true light of the world. Mary and Joseph marveled at all that was said and Simeon blessed him so. And prophetess Anna, who was also in the temple worship and prayed and fasted all night and day with her whole heart and soul. She gave thanks to God and told everyone around town that Jesus is now here and Jerusalem's Redeemer has been found.
1: Amen. If you've enjoyed Pastor Mark's Advent videos, will you give him a round of applause? Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Mark, for doing that. Woo. Well, good morning. As Pastor Justin said, my name is Joseph Duke. I serve as the V-Men Coordinator here, and I am just super excited to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go and turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We'll be there in just a second. I'm so glad that you decided to worship with us this morning, especially in this season of Advent. And it's that time of year. It's, it's Christmas time. We're a week away. How many of y'all is Christmas time your favorite time of year? My wife's hand went up really fast. <laughs> and the reason why I asked that is because I, I, was, I was really wasn't sure how many we were going to have. In my household, you know, Christmas c- w- runs on my wife's clock. And she loves Christmas. It's been Christmas at my house for two and a half months, okay? And I'm not joking. It really has been Christmas at my house for two and a half months. And one of the reasons, because she's got all these traditions that she loves to do that she just can't pack into one little month. She just can't pack between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And one of those traditions, she's got like 58 Christmas movies that are must-watches every single year. Every single year. And you know what? They're, they're pretty good. You know, there, there are some that are pretty good. There are some that are better than others, but there are some that really stand out. And what stands out about some of these is not just the character, not just the plot, not just the main character, on all that. But there's there's great secondary characters that really just make this story better. So, like, these are some that kind of stick out to me. I don't know. All right, let's start top left. Who's this right here in the top left? Y'all know who that is? Papa Elf. you look. Papa Elf. He just makes the movie better. Okay. I mean. Easy. Bottom right. Do y'all actually know his name? Ha ha ha! I got gotcha. you. Mayor Mayhew. Mm-hmm. That's a weirdo, is all I got to say, but he just makes the movie better. All right, bottom left. Do y'all actually know his name? I know my father-in-law does. What'd he say? Scott Fargus, yeah. yeah. All right. Another weirdo, but he does make the movie better. And then look, I'm from Alabama, if you can't already hear it. So I, I know about 15 of these guys too. Top right cousin eddie (laughs) that's right man. he really is close to my heart being from alabama you gotta love cousin eddie well what's great about secondary characters again is they they just make the movie better now they're not essential to the plot you could rewrite the story and they don't have to be there but they do serve a purpose they are there for a reason i mean papa elf he he teaches us the importance of stepping up when you're needed Mayor Mayhew, he teaches us the importance of not judging too quickly. Scott, maybe not himself, but his character teaches us the importance of kindness and gentleness and that how you will be pummeled to a pulp if you cannot <laughs> learn that yourself. And then Cousin Eddie teaches us a lot, but <laughs> he teaches us, you know, it's way more important how you love than what you know. <laughs> I really tried to pull that one out. You know what I'm saying? He also teaches us that if you're sliding down a hill, you know, with nothing between your head and the ground but a piece of government plastic, you better not better make sure your head doesn't hit the ground, or your hair will look all funny. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, y'all must not, y'all must not watch that movie every year like I do. All of these are great. You gotta love them, and again, they're important, but they're they're not the main piece. They're just kind of there to support. And what we're going to look at today. It's the same thing. We're looking at the greatest Christmas stories, the birth of our Savior, the birth of Jesus Christ. And The two characters we're going to look at today are also secondary characters. They don't have to be there, but they do have something to teach us. They have something to show us. We're going to look at Simeon and Anna. So if you have your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 2. We're starting in verse 22. Now these first few verses, really, we're not going to camp out here. We're just going to look because they, they connect us to last week. Last week, Dustin was looking at the shepherds and the actual birth narrative proper, where we see the actual birth of Jesus Christ. And these first couple of verses allow for a transition from that until we get to our narrative today. So looking in verse 22, it says, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, that's the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. Now, there's a lot that we can unpack here. We could we could camp out here for a couple of weeks, but we just there, there's other things that we're going to look at today. A couple of things I want to highlight for you, though. See the uh, the devotion, the faithfulness of the Holy Family here. See how Mary and Joseph—they're a Hebrew of Hebrews, if you will—they are following the law. They're seeking to follow the Lord, but more importantly, see the full humanity of Jesus Christ. That's really important as we kind of look for some of the main stuff later on. These verses for us today just act as a transition from Jesus' birth until we get to meet our characters today. And that starts here in verse 25. In 25, we're introduced to our first character of the day, and his name is Simeon. Verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is a very literary part of Scripture. It's a very narrative part of Scripture. So we're going to look at it as a narrative. We're going to look at different scenes. And we're going to, at the end, we're kind of pull out some, some application. But we're really just going to see what's happening in each scene. This first one, very simply, we see Simeon's waiting. His whole life is centered around one thing, and it's waiting. That doesn't sound too (laughs) funny, but his whole life is sitting around waiting. See, the whole thing, the only thing that we know about Simeon is actually in these verses and the ones that follow. We never hear about anything else from Simeon in all of Scripture. This is all that we get from him, and the first thing that we get is a description, three different descriptions. This is just for you when you're you're studying Scripture. If you start and you're first introduced to somebody and then the Lord just kind of rattles off some descriptions, you need to pay attention to those. They teach us something, and so let's look at what Simeon is. First, he's... Righteous and devout. We don't need to to make this any harder than it is. He's righteous. He he lives rightly. To live rightly is to live according to some standard. To live most righteously is to live according to God's standard. What this is saying, he's just a godly man. Simeon is a godly man. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're going to come back to that one. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's a lot that we can unpack there as well. All this is really is helping support that he's a godly man, and also sets him up as a faithful witness of what he's about to teach us here in the coming verses. What he says, we can bank on as truth. That's going to be really important. But that middle one is that he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. There's a couple things we can look at here. Well, what is a consolation? A consolation is a comfort. It's uh, it's a help. And it could be that act itself or it could be the one that brings that. And the kind of nuance here is more on that person. So he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for one to bring comfort to Israel, one to bring help. The Greek here, that doesn't really help us a lot, but there is a little of a nuance of Maybe you have an advocate, if you will. Uh, we're not going to press that too hard, but that is just kind of, as you go study more, maybe maybe consider it in that light as well. But he's waiting for this one, waiting for this person who's going to be a comfort to Israel, who's going to bring help to Israel. That's what he's waiting for. But why? Why is that even needed? Why is there a consolation for Israel that's needed? Well, at the time that Simeon is living, this is obviously the beginning of the Gospels. This is the beginning of what's considered A.D. You all know, uh, I mean, uh, after after death is, you know, beginning with, with Jesus' birth and all that kind of stuff. Do you all know that? Okay, just making sure. All right, this is beginning here, right here in this A.D. period. Well, All the way back in the prophet Malachi. The prophet Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Most scholars think it's approximately 400 years between the prophet Malachi and the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. Approximately 400 years since God has directly spoken a word to his people. Approximately 400 years since he has directly done something. Now, he's he's working. Scripture says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. God is never not working. God is working when we do not know that he is working. But what he's waiting for, it's been approximately 400 years since God has given them a new message. Since God has given them something to bank on. And the end of Malachi ends with, the people of Israel aren't following God the way they should, and there's hope for one who would come and set that right. This is the constellation of Israel. This is who Simeon is waiting on. He's waiting for one to help. A couple of year, hundred years before that, between Malachi and Simeon, there's a new world power that comes on the scene, Rome. And Rome is completely ruling the, the, the Israeli land at this time, and it's, it's an oppressive rule. And so we see this man, Simeon, who's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting because it's been approximately 400 years since God has directly spoken, since God has directly moved, and there's, there's something. They need, they need redemption. They need deliverance from this oppressive Roman government. Very simply, he's waiting for God to move again. Simeon is waiting for God to be the God of Israel. He's waiting for God to send help. And they've been waiting for a long time. And what we see in verse 26 is that literally this is the whole purpose of his life. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The whole reason for his existence as Scripture teaches us is to wait for the Lord to send help. Is to wait for the one who would bring comfort. And so in this first scene we see Simeon's waiting so we transition we see Simeon's from Simeon's waiting to Simeon's message continuing here in verse 27 and he came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said now right here is his message Y'all know a little bit about narratives. You've got kind of the beginning, you've got the resolution, and when the end, you've got the climax. The climax is the most important thing. Okay, this is the climax of the narrative here. I'm going to go ahead and give you that piece of information. This, it's right here. This message from Simeon is what we've got to zero in on. This message from Simeon is what we need to hear today. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now in this last scene, we just saw that he's not going to see death until he has seen the Lord's Christ. And then he picks up this baby Jesus into his arms. He says, Lord, now I have seen your salvation that you have prepared for all people. And that salvation is a light to the revelation of the Gentiles and is a glory to your people Israel. Very simply, Jesus is the one that he's been waiting for. Jesus is that one that is sent to be the comforter, that is sent to help. Jesus is the consolation of Israel. That is who he is. And Simeon's message also teaches us how he's going to do that. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. If you were here last week, dustin talked about signs and signs very simply what do they do yeah i knew dustin's gonna have me right there signs point signs point us somewhere signs give us direction shines signs show us something signs show us something, signs show us something. Signs show us something. And what Simeon's here is that who Jesus is, he's the consolation of Israel, he's the salvation for all people, he's the light of revelation of the Gentiles, he's the glory to your people Israel, and how he is going to show that is that he is going to perform a sign, and this sign is going to be first salvific, but it's also going to be a sign of opposition, it's going to be a sign that when you encounter it, you can't stay the same. his sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So we see Simeon's waiting. His whole life is waiting on this one that God was sent. His message when he takes up Jesus in his arms is that Jesus is the one he's been waiting for. And that's all we hear from him. That's it. Most scholars think he died shortly after verse 35. We don't really know. But that's it. And then we see it transition again to another character. We thought Simeon got hardly anything. Anna gets three verses, three verses in all the scripture. And what we see cool about Anna is that her three verses are just a reflection, a mirroring of, of Simeon's few. Let's look at verse 36. In this section, we see Anna's devotion. See, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to speak of Him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. In Anna's three verses, we get very similar to Simeon. We get a description, and we get an action, we get a message. Her description first is that she's advanced in years. She's been potentially, some scholars don't really know if she's saying she's 84 or she's been a widow for 84 years. What this description shows us is that we've got a length of faithfulness. And she's been devoted, wholly devoted to the Lord for a long period of time. But it's not just a length of faithfulness, we've also got a magnitude of faithfulness. It's that she did not depart from the temple but worshiping in prayer and fasting night and day. Now, that's not to be taken literally. They weren't allowed to sleep at the temple. What that means is, is her whole life, her whole entire existence is centered on worshiping the Lord, being devoted to the Lord. And in this, when she recognizes and sees the child Jesus, how does she respond? In thanksgiving, the model of Christian service here, and proclaiming the truth that He is the redemption for Jerusalem. You see, in Anna's devotion, we see that she's wholly devoted to the Lord. Her whole life is centered, just as Simeon's whole life is centered around waiting for the Lord, Anna's whole life is centered around worshiping the Lord. And that's the narrative for these two characters. But I don't know about y'all. That's great, but that doesn't get me up in the morning. That doesn't get me up in the morning. We can learn from Simeon waiting, and we can do it. That doesn't help me know how to leave my family. That doesn't help me know what to do with my sin. That doesn't do it for me. (laughs) It's not enough. And it's not meant to be. Because again, these are secondary characters. Their whole purpose is to come along and support the main plot to point us to what is going on. Listen, you don't watch Elf for Papa Elf. You watch the movies for these people. You watch the movie because you want to see Clark Griswold go crazy at the end. You want to see Jim Carrey be hilarious the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like this is what you you watch the movie for these people. We don't read this story for Simeon and Anna. That's not the point. And if that's all that we do, man, that doesn't, that's not enough for me. That doesn't do it for me. Seeing that Simeon is patient, ugh, who cares? It's what they teach us about the main character. It's what they teach us about what God is doing and who he is. And that's what makes all the difference. So let's take a a, a quick back stroll back through this real quick. Let's go back. We saw the first scene, we see Simeon's waiting. Well, look, Simeon's waiting is superseded by God's faithful promise. Simeon's waiting is superseded by God's faithful promise. Greater is the one who can give the promise and keep it than the one who must wait on it to be fulfilled. You see, Simeon's whole life is waiting for God to send help again, for God to move again. Greater is the one who say, I will move again and will move again and does move again than the one who waits for that to happen. Greater is the faithful promise of God than the lesson that we can get from Simeon waiting on that promise to be fulfilled. Because, man, this is where it is. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know how to lead your family, when you don't know how to be the light of Jesus Christ at work, when you don't know how to do these things, when you don't really know, when life just doesn't seem to come together. Simeon's patience doesn't teach me anything. God's faithfulness teaches me a lot. God is faithful. He said, I will send the consolation of Israel. And he said, you won't see death until it happens. What that means is, is I'm going to do it. And he does it. So in this Advent season, as we wait for the second coming of our Lord and King, When it looks and our world is messed up. We can trust that he's faithful. and That he will come again. God's faithful promise supersedes Simeon's waiting. Second, God's redemptive action supersedes Simeon's message. How many of y'all have heard this? You may have heard this from your parents or some teachers or whatever. Actions speak louder than words. Actually, give me a show of hands will get you all involved, yeah. Actions speak louder than words. Greater is the one who performs the redemption than the one who testifies to that performance. You see, Simeon, that's the climax of the narrative. He comes in, he says, yeah, I've been waiting for the consolation of Israel, and it's this baby Jesus. Yeah. It's just baby Jesus. He's the one who is the salvation for all people. He's the one who's a light for a revelation to the Gentile. He's the one who's the glory of people Israel. And he's going to accomplish that by a sign that is salvific and one that is of opposition. Greater is the one who is the consolation of Israel himself. Greater is the one who accomplishes that redemption on your behalf and on mine. Greater is the work of Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. Who came to give his life on a cross. For me and for you. You see, that's the salvation that he brings. Is that in our sin, we have no hope. But God has moved again. You see, he is a salvation for all people. Because he was the sacrifice for all people. And then he resurrected from the grave three days later. And just as that is the climax in Simeon's message, that is the climax of what this text is trying to teach us. See, we have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Who he is he? He is the salvation for all people. He is the one who illuminates our minds. Who points us and shows that he, without him, we have no hope. He is the one who sets our fires, our, sets our hearts on fire for him. And he does this through his cross, which is a work, is a sign that is salvific. But it's also a sign that when you encounter the cross, it's a sign of opposition. You cannot be the same. Scripture says it's a sign that will be the rise and falling of many in Israel. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ, yes, while it is, brings salvation, yes, while it brings redemption, yes, while it is a revelatory act, yes, while it is a glorification, it also causes the raising of the lowly and the putting down of the prideful. Scripture says that at the sign of Jesus Christ, at the work of Christ, the thoughts of many hearts are actually and our intention of how we're going to live in relation to Christ is revealed. What that means is what you do with the work of Jesus Christ is all you need to know about who you are. And a salvation for all people. Greater is the one. Who accomplishes the redemptive act. Than the one who testifies to it. Lastly, we see Anna's devotion and God's worthiness supersedes Anna's devotion. Anna's whole life is completely devoted to worshiping the Lord. Anna's whole life is devoted, literally, her whole life, literally, day and night. Again, it's figurative, but it's meant to show us this, again, this length of faithfulness and this magnitude of faithfulness. For her entire life, her life has been about worshiping the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord proclaiming the message of redemption to all who have been waiting. Greater is the one who is worthy of our devotion than we who are devoted to him. God is worthy of your whole life. It is not throwing your life away to give it to the Lord. Because only in that will you actually find Hope and joy and peace and love. God is worthy of your whole life. So give it to Him. And that's the narrative of the major character. <laughs> and that gets me up in the morning. So what? Well, I've got one message, three lessons, two actions for you. Everybody say that with me. One message, three lessons, two actions, one message. If you miss anything, if you miss everything else, you can't miss this today. Lean in real close. This is it. This is if you miss everything else, you can't miss this. This is the point of the text. This is the point of this whole book. Okay. Jesus is the consolation of Israel. He is the salvation for all people. He's the salvation for you and for me. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, there is no hope. You see, they thought that he was going to redeem them from the oppression of the Roman government. No, 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 no. (laughs) He saw a greater shackle. He came to set them free from their sin. And the truth of the matter is, Scripture says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you and me it also says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment that you are owed because of your unrighteousness, the payment that you are owed because of your sin is death, both spiritual and physical. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Only through the redemption of Jesus Christ, only because he is the salvation for all people and the work that he does, which is the cross and the resurrection from the grave. Do you have hope? It's the only way. That's the message. It's that simple. That's what Simeon and Anna are testifying to. That's their work in the Gospel of Luke, is to show this baby that has come is the one who will bring salvation. And now we live 2,000 years later. We live in light of this truth, and it still rings true today. That we need to be saved from our sins. We need to be reunited to God. And that salvation is for you and for me. So here's the truth. If you've never repented of your sin and made the Lord of your life, there's, there's not three lessons and two actions for you. That's the end. You need to repent and believe the gospel. Here in a little bit, Pastor Dustin is going to come up, he's going to sh- lead us through a time of response. If you don't know what that means, it probably means that you need to check into that. He's going to teach you and show you, All right, if you don't know what that means, if you, if you need help with that, This is how you do it. Let us help you. We would love to tell you about how you can give your life to Jesus Christ. And again, it's not throwing it away. It's gaining it. It's gaining the Lord. (laughs) Repent and believe the gospel. But if you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, that message is not... that's, That's for you too. Your hope for living every day doesn't stop in repenting and believe the gospel once you become a Christian. It only becomes more and more necessary for you. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus is not just your hope for your salvation. Christ, scripture says he is our living hope. He is our hope for tomorrow. He is our hope for the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. But for you who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, what does that look like? How do we live faithfully in this season of now but not yet, where he's come and he's accomplished our redemption and we have placed our faith and trust in him, and we've just got a faithful promise again that he's coming again. We live in this Advent season and we're looking for this second coming. How do we live? How do we be found faithful? This is where the secondary characters come in. We've got three lessons. First, we patiently wait for Christ's return, just like Simeon. He promised Simeon, hey, I'm coming, and he did. He's promised us, I'm coming again, and he will. We patiently wait for Christ's return. Second, we proclaim his message until he does. Patiently waiting doesn't mean we don't do anything. Patiently waiting doesn't mean we don't do anything. You see, he waited... Christ came the first time, what did he do? Hey, y'all, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is him. Now, as we wait for his return, what is, God has commissioned us and commanded us that we are to proclaim his message. We are to build his kingdom. What are we waiting for? we we'll proclaim his message until he returns. And number three, in all of that, just as Anna is, our lives are to be wholly devoted to God and God alone. One message, Christ is the salvation for all people. Three lessons, how do we we live our lives as we wait for His return? We patiently wait for Him, we proclaim His message, and we we give our lives over to Him. What does that practically look like? As we wait in this season of Advent for the second return of Christ, all of this truth should produce in us two different things. First, it should produce in us hope, and it should produce within us urgency produce hope and it should produce urgency first it should produce hope because we serve a faithful god who keeps his promises his promises are yes and amen and he says i'm coming again and all of the junk of this world will be made right All of the junk that you feel in your life is not the end. See Christ has come as the consolation of Israel but a greater thing is coming to where we no longer have to walk by faith. Christian, there's a day coming where you will live and exist in the presence of God eternally. You will no longer walk by faith. You will walk by sight. You will be in his presence forever and in that scripture says is eternal life is to know God and enjoy him forever. There's a hopeful end for us. There's a lot of junk that's happening in our world right now. There's a lot of stuff that we deal with every day. You may not know how to pay your next bill. You may not know how to love that family member that lives like Cousin Eddie. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this should produce in you then you hope because God is coming again. And when he does, we will be with him forever. Praise the Lord for that. And if that doesn't produce hope within you, nothing else will. If you're looking for anything else other than that, I'm here to tell you, you can run, you can, you can find, you can look for it in other places. You won't find it like you'll find it in God. You won't find it like you'll find it in Jesus Christ. Christian, be hopeful. Be joyful. The Lord is coming. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you and I will come back and bring you to me. Praise the Lord. But also to produce in us urgency. Again, just because we patiently wait doesn't mean we aren't about the Lord's business. We're to do the things that He's called us to do. Well, or how, do do, how does that tension even work? How do we be patient and wait and also do things? Are those, those are opposites, and this is how, okay? You see, do you think that there was anything that Simeon could do to make God send Jesus more quickly? It's been 400 years. Of course not. Of course not. You see, we patiently wait for God to do the things that only He can do. You are not God. So take some pressure off yourself. You do not uphold the universe by the word of your power. You are not the creator of everything that we see. So we're to live hopeful and we're to live patient on the only the things that God can do. God has promised that he will make our world right. And the things that we can't control, we just simply need to be patient on him to do his work and trust in faith that he will because he's good. That is how we're patient. But we're urgent in doing the things that he's already commanded and called us to do. When Jesus did come, what he me? Hey, hey man, this is him. He started going to work. His waiting was over. Jesus has come and now he's commissioned us to love him, to love people, to proclaim the gospel, to build his kingdom, to be servants. And if we are not doing that, we're not being faithful. So we are patiently waiting for God to do the things that only he can do, but we are urgent to be about the things that he has called us to be a part of. as we live in that tension of patiently waiting on him and then doing the things he has commissioned us to do when he returns on that day we'll be found faithful that's what this Advent is about and the truth of Christ's first coming he's a salvation for all people he should teach us of how we live Until he comes again. One message Christ is salvation for all people, and he's a salvation for you. If you don't know what that means, grab one of our pastors at the end. We would love to tell you. Three lessons until he comes again. We are to patiently wait on him, we're to claim his message, we're to devote our lives wholly to him, and all this to produce in us both hope and a sense of urgency. But this church, let's be found faithful. Trust in the Lord. For He is good. And we love Him. Let's pray. Father, you're good. Thank you so much that you don't give empty promises. That your promises are yes and amen. Thank you that you, when you say you're going to do something, you do it. And you do things for Your glory and our good. You do things out of the goodness of your will. Out of the goodness, out of your good pleasure. Because you love us. And Lord, the cross of Christ, His sacrifice for us on the cross, is for our goodness. Because it pays the penalty of our sin and it gives us an opportunity to be reunited to you. But the hope doesn't end there because you resurrected three days later. And because you have resurrected, we may live forever. Praise the Lord. Thank you most of all for sending your son and the greatest gift that you've given to us, your church, as the gift of your Holy Spirit, by whom we have the seal of your promised redemption and lives within us and dwells within us. Praise God for the work that you have done. And in that, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, strengthen us to be a faithful church. Strengthen us to proclaim the message of the gospel. To be about the things you've called us to be about and to wait on you to do the things that only you can. We love you, Lord. And we open our hearts for you to move today in the way that only you can, to move in the way that you see fit. Find us to you in Christ. name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.